This is your home of the Oregon Ducks. Up to Brown Jr. Passes off to Smith oh. for the dunk with two hands. And we love to talk about them. With expert interviews, insight, and analysis, this is Quack Attack with Judah Newby. Presented by First Call Heating and Cooling on your home of the Oregon Ducks. 1029 and 750 The Game. Zone. Underneath Alley-Wooden! Pritchard finds Wooden. Got behind the defense and the alley-oop dunk. And welcome into the Quack Attack on this Wednesday night in the Rose City. Judah Newby here with you. 102.9-750 the game. Another uh, classic typical week for Oregon basketball. I, of course, picked them to lose to Washington and beat Washington State last Wednesday night. And instead, they absolutely roll over the Huskies. 65-40 to 40 was the final last Thursday before they did the same to Washington State. 84-57. Two straight wins for the Ducks. They're starting to roll a little bit more now. And now comes the most massive point of the season. The trip to Los Angeles, visiting USC Thursday, and visiting UCLA on Saturday at Poly Pavilion. Welcome back to Quack Attack. Coming up on the program, Tyson Alger of the Oregonian and Oregon Live. He's going to join our show. He was also at Moda Center earlier this afternoon talking to Jordan Bell of the Warriors. Kind of picking Bell's brain about his rookie season in the NBA and his relationship with Kenny Wooten, the star freshman in the Oregon front court that's uh, already climbing up the the uh, charts of the record books for the Ducks in terms of blocked shots. Wooten nearing 80 for his initial season with Oregon already. Going to talk to Tyson about that and more. Plus, a guy I'm really looking forward to talking to, Josh Lewin, one of the premier voices in broadcasting. He's the voice of UCLA basketball and football. He spent 12 seasons as the radio voice of the San Diego Chargers. And right now, he's also the radio voice of the New York Mets over uh, in uh, in New York City with uh, Howie Rose, Wayne Randazzo and company. So going to bring Josh Lewin on at about 735, talking UCLA basketball, because I'm really intrigued about that matchup as well as the Ducks get the two SoCal schools. So we go back and forth with the Ducks, right? It's it's are they this tournament team that we've known that they've had the talent to be a tournament team, but they've not been able to put it together. The consistency has been lacking and the consistency is related to their youth and inexperience. The one returning starter from last year's final four team being Peyton Pritchard and the key guys that they lost seven in all, but the key guys they lost are Dylan Brooks, Tyler Dorsey and Jordan bell. That happens to any program in the country and there's going to be a setback unless you're named Duke or Kentucky, and you get this plethora of one-and-done talent. Oregon is not that, but they do have a head coach in Dana Altman, who in my mind is making his case to be in the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame, and I don't think that's far-fetched. I really don't. Just this past week, I think it was the win over Washington, sealed a 21-win season. Or, excuse me, sealed an above 500 season for Dana Altman with Oregon. It is Altman's 21st consecutive season coaching a team to an above 500 record. 21st season in a row. Only Coach K and Jim Boeheim have done that and a couple others, all of whom are in the Hall of Fame. Dan Altman, of course, is not, but I think it's just a matter of time. He got his boys ready, and they dominated the Huskies. And uh, it's going to be interesting because that's a Huskies and a Cougar team that that Oregon will still see coming up. In the last few weeks of the season, they've got that matchup from last week, but they'll also make a trip to the state of Washington a little bit later on. Dan Altman talked at Oregon practice yesterday afternoon before the team flew down to SoCal 
earlier this afternoon talked about uh, there's no necessary extra inspiration that his team needs to draw this time of year. They know what's at stake. We just got to go play. You know, there's no great words of inspiration or anything else at this time of year. You just you just go play. And uh, you better be ready to play hard and well. You know, SC needs a game. They've lost a couple, so they need the game. UCLA needs the game. Everybody needs a game. February, you know, everybody's trying to scratch one out. You know, they're, um, you know, USC, UCLA, they need wins. Arizona schools need wins. Everybody needs a win, you know. So this is a time of year everybody's fighting and, and competing, trying to get, you know, a better position in the conference tournament. You know, those teams are all scratching for a seat in the NCAA tournament. And uh, teams like us are, you know, trying to get involved. And so uh, it's a very competitive time of the year. It was a tough matchup with USC the first time the two teams met in Eugene. You might remember that USC won that game. It was a game that Oregon had the lead for a lot of the second half. And in the last five minutes, uh, Jordan McLaughlin hit like five free throws in the last minute. But USC really dominated down the stretch for a 75-70 to win over Oregon. And that snapped the Ducks' 14-game series winning streak against the Trojans. I mean, they've dominated this matchup, whether it's been in Eugene or Los Angeles. Oregon has historically dominated that that matchup. Now, that being said, this Trojan team has not only a lot of talent, but they've got a lot of experience. We mentioned McLaughlin at the point guard position. Anytime that you've got a talented point guard, especially in college basketball, you're going to give yourself a really good chance to win. And we're going to talk about another talented point guard that the Ducks will see on Saturday in Aaron Holiday, who's got the uh, NBA family ties, of course, and had a pretty big game when UCLA went to Eugene in that thriller a few weeks back. But when it comes to Peyton Pritchard and the matchup that he faces with these guys, look, Pritchard, obviously one of the most talented offensive players that you'll find in this conference, and the local ties are awesome. You know, it's easy guy to root for. But the responsibility of Kenny Wooten in the front court for Oregon defensively is really put in the spotlight when you have a guy like Pritchard guarding on the perimeter. I was ta- I was having a conversation about Pritchard's defense with a buddy of mine yesterday and how much, you know, even though he's improved, how much that he is on the spotlight with his perimeter defense facing guards that are as talented as the guards that he sees in this conference night in and night out. So. You know, I'm, we're obviously we're going to get to our key matchup in our final segment of the show, but I may have foreshadowed it just slightly, you know, with the guards that Peyton Pritchard's going to have to go up against on Thursday and Jordan McLaughlin and uh, Saturday as well in Aaron Holiday. As for Oregon, though, they're really rounding into form at just the right time. The problem is, the problem is, can you buy in? Can you buy in right now? Because the definition of this season has been one word, inconsistency. That's been the definition of this team. Now, Dana Altman has a legacy of being able to get the t- most talent out of his players into the later portions of February and get them to play playing their best basketball when it comes to Pac-12 tourney time in Vegas, getting them to reach their full potential going into the NCAA tournament and make the field of 68 and make some noise. We've seen, we've seen t- Oregon teams that were arguably overmatched on paper make runs at the Sweet 16. I saw that. I remember that team from 2013. All right, and Oregon has the talent to do something similar this year. They just do. They have that talent. They have that ceiling. It's the consistency that you have an issue with. So will this season be defined by inconsistency, or will it be defined by another Dana Altman-led team that finds its best basketball when it matters most, and it matters most right now? Ducks still, if you look at their RPI, just on the outside looking in. If you want to make the NCAA tournament, 
these last six games at USC, at UCLA, home to the Arizona schools next week, huge matchups with Bobby Hurley's club, and then, of course, DeAndre Ayton in Arizona, and then you wrap up the regular season at Pullman and at Seattle. Huge opportunity. Absolutely huge opportunity for Dana Altman and his team. He was also asked at practice if this team is finally learning how to finish games, which they were unable to do the first time they faced USC last month. You know, I, I hope so. You know, every game's different. You know, we're not going to change the fact that we're still a relatively inexperienced team, and, you know, finishing games is always going to be tough. But uh, we have done a better job, you know, the last few outings, uh, finishing some games. We did have a little trouble, you know, their first stretch with the Arizona games and, and then those two L.A. games. But those are... Four of the better teams in our league. One of the guys that it's, it's absolutely essential for him to keep playing well, but it was also such a pleasure to see him play well, was Troy Brown Jr., the guy that comes to Oregon with expectations of being a one-and-done. Underwhelms his first month and a half to two months. I was on this show kind of criticizing him a little bit, at saying that, hey, this program needs more out of a guy with that skill set. To be honest, though, I mean, if you're playing with new dudes... Look, basketball's still a team game. You can play ISO as much as you can, but especially on this team, you need to be able to have that chemistry to rely on one another around the court. And it's all other first-year guys. It's all guys like VJ Bailey. It's all guys like grad transfer Elijah Brown shooting from the outside. It's all guys like Kenny Wooten, Peyton Pritchard as a sophomore taking that leadership role. We mentioned, we've said it time and time again, it simply takes time for new faces to gel. But it looks like... It looks like Troy Brown Jr. is coming into his own, and it's been so exciting to see. 16 points, 10 rebounds, career-high five steals for Troy Brown Jr. against Ernie Kent's Washington State Club on Sunday. That was a double-double for him. Peyton Pritchard also with a double-double, 19 points, a season-high 10 assists. It was the last time that the Ducks had a pair of players get double-doubles in the same game. Since December 3rd, 2014 against Concordia. So the fact that that happened against a Pac-12 foe was certainly uh, good to see. By the way, the last UO pair to get that double-double, Dylan Brooks, Jordan Bell. They didn't do anything later on, did they? No, I'm just playing. But it's exciting to see the Ducks kind of starting to reach their potential here. Uh, Dana Altman was also asked about how important it is to learn from that previous matchup with the Trojans. You know, SC, you know, they their ball screen action gave us trouble. You know, we're we're going to have to match up inside with two. Benny Boatwright played well against us, hit threes and really spread us out. So uh, they're a tough matchup for us. We're, we're going to have to play awfully well. Their depth, their athleticism, their experience. Um, you know, they're they're a good basketball team. I went to the Civil War a few weeks ago down in Eugene. Elijah Brown was one of the key players in that game, uh, finishing with uh, 20 points. I think he had 18 at the end of the first half, and he had five made three pointers. The importance of shooting the three-point shot is so key, obviously, in any basketball game, but particularly for this Ducks team. And Elijah Brown, he's he's kind of hit and miss, pardon the pun, with his three-point shooting. Dan Altman talked about that as well. You know, he's just got to keep going. You know, I, I like the shot selection better. You know, I mean, he took some bad ones, you know, the weekend before. And, and uh, you know, I, I thought he took pretty good shots. You know, they just didn't go in. Um so he'll keep shooting it, and uh, you know, fortunately, VJ came off the bench, gave us a big lift, and so we got a, a one-two punch there. That you know, hopefully, one of them you know, be shooting it a little bit. You kind of have to think about the college basketball season in terms of being two seasons, especially for freshmen. It's November through January, 
That's season number one. But then you really start banking on your first-year players to take a next step once the calendar turns to February. If they can take the next step, start playing like sophomores, if you will, then your team has a shot of making a deep run in the conference and national tournament. Altman talked about that, particularly the emergence of freshmen Wooten and Brown and V.J. Bailey. You know, I thought Kenny really had a good weekend. Troy was really good. You know, Troy had a, a great weekend. So, V.J., you know, stepped up, gave some baskets, and, and really tried defensively. Uh, Abu off the bench, you know, gave us a big spark. So, yeah, I hope that uh, they're all ready to give us a little bit more. And you look at hustle stats. The Ducks... 14-1 and one when they have more rebounds than their opponents. 14-1. and one. Sometimes it's just that simple, Party. Sometimes it's just that simple. CCR in the background. Wednesday night rolls on. If you're on your way to Moda Center to watch Blazers Warriors, thank you for tuning in right here. This is the Quack Attack. We're just getting underway here on 102.9750 The Game. Tyson Alger of the Oregonian and Oregon Live joins me next. Josh Lewin, radio voice of UCLA Bruins basketball and football in the New York Mets. He joins us coming up at the bottom of the hour. This is the Quack Attack on 1029, 750, the game. Back to Quack Attack with Judah Newby, presented by First Call Heating and Cooling on your home of the Oregon Ducks, 1029 and 750 The Game. All right, welcome back to the show. Chris Barty, DJing up the bump music on this wonderful Wednesday evening. Appreciate you, CP. It's always good stuff. Doing what I do, you know? I do what I can. Hey, you know, great minds think alike, my man. I was looking at these stats, Oregon, Washington from Thursday. Washington shot 17% from three-point range. Three three of 17. Ducks, arguably, you know, not much better. Five of 17, but ultimately uh, in the category where it mattered, total points, Oregon dominated 65 to 40. Now, can the Ducks parlay that momentum of sweeping the Washington schools into a successful road trip down in Los Angeles? I've got a guy I want to talk to about it, and he's joining me on the phone lines right now. Tyson Alger of the Oregonian and Oregon Live. Follow him on the tweet machine, at Tyson Alger. Tyson, thanks for joining us, first of all. And I got to imagine that uh, the trip to Southern California is one of the ones you look forward to most during the regular season, no? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, that and the Arizona trips are always circled on uh, on the calendar. So uh, I will certainly be enjoying this uh, 70 degrees and sunny as uh, the rains move back in there. <laughs> That's perfect timing, man. Um, I got to tell you, though, when it comes to watching this Oregon Duck basketball team, um, I'm cautious getting too attached to their success. I mean, it's been an up-and-down year that's been filled with, uh, you know, a, a lack of a lack of consistency. That being said, last week was awesome to watch if you're a Duck fan, the big win over Washington and the solid victory over Washington State. So is this team really playing their best ball of the season, and is that sustainable? Uh, they are playing their best basketball of the season. Um, is it sustainable? I think that's kind of the big question, and I, I think we'll learn a lot about that this week. Um, Oregon has gotten on, gone on streaks this year. They they had one, I believe, three or four in a row before that uh, really big loss at Stanford. Um, but since then, they've, they've won two in a row. Um, but I, I do think the difference between the way they've played the last two games versus uh, even when they, you know, beat Arizona State and played well at Arizona, and, and 
beat UCLA is they're playing complete games right now. Even when Oregon was winning, they were still having spurts of uh, ineffectiveness on offense. Um, uh, they, they blew leads uh, late in the second half in, in several of those games. Uh, but this, this Washington trip, uh, it, I'm sorry, this, this Washington series, they played 40 minutes in both of those games. They, uh, they were pretty dominant from uh, kind of tip to final horn. Uh, I really liked their activity on defense, and it, it just it just seemed like a lot of stuff that you could build around more than just um, kind of momentum. I mean, uh, I, I know everyone was getting high on the match that they won that Arizona State game, but they also needed Elijah Brown to uh, hit a ton of threes in that game. I mean, it, it was uh, kind of different variations of people getting hot. Um, so I, I do look at these two wins, and I think they were the most consistent games they played. They didn't need one player to get hot, and I, I do think they're in a pretty good position uh, coming into this trip. But uh, obviously Oregon uh, has some struggles on the road. Uh, these are two quality teams, and they're two quality wins the Ducks need if, if they do want to get back into this NCAA tournament discussion. You may have just alluded to it, but what does Oregon have to do with these games coming up against SC and UCLA in order to avoid the letdown that they had when they played Stanford a couple weeks ago? Yeah, uh, I mean, that, that Stanford game was so weird because uh, it's Stanford isn't a team that I think a lot of people really uh, think is one of the powers in the conference. But, I mean, playing at Stanford against a team that has Reed Travis can just be awfully hard. Um, these two L.A. teams, I, I know uh, they've, A, they've, faced them before. They, they nearly beat USC. That was another game where Oregon played badly down the stretch. They did beat UCLA. Um, but, I mean, if, if you look at Oregon's resume, they only have, I think, two wins this year over top 50 RPI teams. And right now, USC is 47, and uh, UCLA is, I think, 52. Uh, so they're kind of like right in that wheelhouse of uh, these are the games Oregon needs to win to, to make the tournament. I, I, don't think, um, I don't think they absolutely have to have both of these games to make the tournament, especially with the Arizona schools coming up next week. But they have six games left on their schedule right now, and I, I think they have to probably win about four of those in order to, to make a case. Troy Brown and Kenny Wooten have been two guys that have stepped their games up in recent uh, in recent games. First with Troy, what have you seen? What kind of growth have you seen out of him recently that's led to this success? He just looks more confident out there. Uh, he's a five-tool player. He can do a lot of things, and at the start of the year, it looked like he was um, you know, tentative in some of those things. He wasn't driving as much. He was relying on his outside shot, and, and he was oddly kind of just losing the ball ca- uh, casually when he was handling it. Um, but if you look over this last stretch of about four or five games where he's averaging like 17 points and like six or seven rebounds, and he's getting a ton of steals, he, he's taken it aggressively to the hoop. He's been more selective with his shot. I mean, I don't think he's shot below 60% in, in any of these last four games. Um, and, and he's just kind of all over the floor defensively. He, he's, he's really kind of utilizing uh, that five-star talent that uh, a lot of people thought would be one and done for him coming into this year. And and as he, he's a funny case because even before this hot streak, if you look at his numbers, he was having a completely on par or even better uh, freshman year than a player like Dylan Brooks had. It's just Troy Brown came in with one and done expectations, and Dylan Brooks was kind of uh, – uh, an underdog, and obviously Brooks is in the NBA now. But um, you know, since since kind of uh, I guess the Cal game, uh, Brown has really just kind of taken it to another level, and, and he's playing right now at a, at a at a level that we haven't seen from Oregon freshman in a long time. Yeah, one guy that's played at a high level in his Duck career, and now is playing at a pretty high level in the NBA is Jordan Bell. Now, of course, with the Golden State Warriors, uh, Tyson, you wrote a piece today on Oregon Live. 
catching up with Jordan Bell at the Moda Center as the Blazers face the Warriors tonight on uh, on Valentine's night going into the All-Star break. What was it like catching up with Jordan? And I know the comparisons between his game at Oregon and Kenny Wooten's current game at Oregon are there. Um, what have you made about the relationship those two have struck up? Yeah, um, I mean, first, Bell Bell was one of my favorite players to cover at Oregon. He, he's a fun guy. He's a good interview. And, uh, you know, it, it seems like that has stayed the same. I, I know he's had a lot of success early on here in his NBA career uh, before he was sidelined with this little an- ankle injury. But uh, it, it was really great to see him here and catch up a little bit and uh, uh, just kind of ask him about him, some of his success. But uh, when it comes to Wooten, he, he said he and Wooten have been pretty close this year. They've been talking on the phone and uh, he's obviously heard the comparisons between the two players because, I mean, they're the sim- similar type of bodies, similar type of players. They're both averaging, uh, Bell averaged 2.7 blocks per game as a freshman. That's the same same pace Wooten's on right now. Um, but Bell just said the comparisons need to, between the two need to stop because it, he, he thinks it's putting a ceiling on Wooten. Uh, he's just like, why can't he be better than me? And, and that's kind of... That's kind of the message he said about the whole Oregon team this year is it, it's, it's really tough for them to play when being compared to last year's team. And I've been at just about every post-game news conference this year, and every single time there's a question that's comparing them from last year to this year. And that's that's just a pressure that Jordan Bell and Dylan Brooks didn't have as freshmen because uh, when they came in and, and started for the Ducks, uh, they were playing in a season that had no expectations. The, the team the season before – you know, they were decent. They made the NCAA tournament, but they weren't anything special. And, and now all of a sudden this year's second class is being compared to Final Four, uh, a Final Four team and three players that made it to the NBA. And that's kind of tough shoes to fill. Tyson, as I let you go, I know that making predictions about this Oregon team can be such a fool's errand. I mean, I uh, totally whiffed on their Bay Area trip. I thought they'd beat Stanford and that didn't happen. I thought they'd lose to Washington, and they crushed them. So I don't know what to make of these games with SC and UCLA. Um, do you have any sense of clarity with, with how they shape up with these two matchups? You know, I think we'll get a split. I'm not sure what order that's going to be in, but I, I do think they're playing well enough right now where they will be able to go in and get a road win somewhere in there. I'm just I'm, – I, my guess so, as to where it's going to come from is uh, – is probably worthless <laughs> yeah. because because I mean that's just kind of how the Pac-12 has been this year. I mean we all thought Washington was the hot team uh, for a little bit, and then Oregon you know put a historic defensive performance down on them. So uh, I, I think the Ducks will get a split. Um, I, I, I I'm not going to predict that they're going to win two in a row. But <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, last thing? I mean Team USA losing to Slovenia. What what happened there? Hey, hey, sorry, your, your connection's breaking up a little bit. I think I got to go. Uh. <laughs> on that note, Tyson Alger. Follow him on Twitter, at Tyson Alger. Tyson, thanks so much, man. Love reading your work, and we'll follow you covering the SoCal trip, and we'll see you next week. Hey, thanks, man. Dude, I, I've got no excuses for Team USA men's hockey. No excuses. I know it's not the NHL, guys. You can't go up on Slovenia 2 nothing, cough it all up, and lose an OT 3-2. You can't do it. Party, you can't do it. Travesty. It really it's a travesty. is. Travesty. Really is. No, seriously. I'm being serious here. Yeah. It's travesty. It's horrible. <laughs> uh, you know, at least the you know, United States were over one hundred gold medals now in the history of the uh, Winter Olympics. So at least that. Big thanks to Tyson Alger. We're gonna hit a break right here. Josh Lewin.
radio voice of UCLA Athletics, also the voice of the New York Mets on WOR New York out in the Big Apple. He also spent over a decade calling Chargers games on the radio. Josh Lewin's going to join me next. Really looking forward to that conversation. Get his thoughts on the matchup. And uh, Beaver baseball fans will also slip in a question about Michael Conforto, of course, the former Beaver star now with the New York Mets, shining on the big league level. But first, my man, Chris Partee. He's got a bottom briefing coming up right now on the game. Back to Quack Attack with Judah Newby. Presented by First Call Heating and Cooling on your home of the Oregon Ducks. 1029 and 750 the game. As Oregon ushers in their uh, Southern California road trip. Oh, see what I did there? You see what I did there. Ducks Trojans coming up tomorrow night and then Ducks Bruins Saturday night. Welcome back to the Quack Attack on 1029-750. The game, Jude Anuba here with you. Got you until the uh, top of the hour and handing off to Scotty Farrell for Farrell on the bench here on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, Josh Lewin's going to join me here in a moment. He's the voice of UCLA basketball and football. Also the voice of the New York Mets. He's been in broadcasting for nearly 30 years now. He's got roots in upstate New York in Rochester. Um, you know, went to school in Northwestern. Has hockey background. Has Detroit Tigers background. Has Texas Rangers background. Did 12 years with the San Diego Chargers. Does national stuff. Does local stuff. I mean, the dude is cream of the crop when it comes to experience in broadcasting. So really fired up to talk about him here in just a moment. I, I had a thought, though, about the uh, Pac-12 standings. And if you look at the standings... There is just two games in the loss column separate this two seed from the nine seed right now. Two games in the loss column. That's it. So the parity is on point right now. It was on display when Arizona State, a team that's been really struggling in the Pac-12 compared to how they started the year, a team that got all the way up to number three in the AP Top 25 before stumbling all the way out of the Top 25. They flexed their muscle and beat UCLA last Saturday, 88-79, for a rare Pac-12 sweep of the Trojans and Bruins last week. So ASU is trending up and to the point to where ASU is a home favorite over Arizona tomorrow night. ASU favored by one point. Very exciting game tomorrow, 6 o'clock in Tempe between the uh, Sun Devils and the Wildcats. Look at Utah. I mean, I know Cal's bad. Utah just beat Cal, though, 77-43. David Collette went 9 of 10 from the floor to pace the Utes. That's a team that could be dangerous in the Pac-12 tournament. Needless to say, the Beavers... And how well, how well they looked last week. Obviously, they didn't have much of an issue taking care of Washington State. And that team for Washington State is certainly trending in the wrong direction. But they were able to put together one of the more exciting finishes of the season in college basketball today and in the Pac-12, which has just turned out exciting finishes each of the last two weeks. If you think of the Washington-Arizona game a week ago and then the Oregon State game last week, this was Stephen Thompson Jr., playing hero ball with Mike Parker on the call for Learfield Sports. Five seconds to go. Thompson front court. Steven with two, with one. Shoots for three. Good! He did it again! He did it again! Point one to play. The Beavers will win it. Steven Thompson did it again! He hits a three. The Beavers 97. The Huskies 94. Steven Thompson Jr. does it again to Washington. 
love that. I love Mike Parker. And Partee, we talked about uh, our friend Tony Castricone, the voice of the Huskies, the week previous. You might want to keep an eye on the levels for this one. Let's compare Tony's call of UW's game winner against Arizona to Mike Parker's. This is Tony's. Ten seconds left. One high, four low. Iso Jalen Noel. Seven seconds left on the clock. Here he goes against Hawkins with four to play. Makes a move to the rim. Rejected by Aiden. Green for three. Swishes it at the buzzer, and the Huskies beat number nine, Arizona, 78-75. to 75. Oh, so good, but it ain't no Sean McDonough. And the ball comes out. The ball has come out. Derek Johnson, the all-time leading tackler in the history of the Chiefs, with a touchdown for Kansas City. Marcus Peters ripped it away. And the worst part about that, of course, if you were watching that Chiefs-Titans wildcard game, the play didn't count. But the voice crack lives on tape forever with Sean McDonough. Talk about putting the E in enthusiasm. I mean, the E for energy. I mean, (laughs) because all of them, though. All of them. That's enthusiasm. I love that. And one of the guys that I associate enthusiasm with the most is our next guest here on the Quack Attack, Josh Lewin. Follow him on Twitter, at Josh Lewin Stuff. He's the radio voice of UCLA basketball and UCLA football and the New York Mets. Plethora of experience in sports broadcasting, including over a dozen years as the voice of the San Diego Chargers before their move to Los Angeles. And Josh Lewin joins us now on 1029 The Game. Mr. Lewin, thanks for taking the time. How are you, sir? Sure, great. I'm sorry my time's so short, but happy to, to talk to Oregon all the time. Yeah, and UCLA Oregon's coming up on Saturday. First, the Bruins got the Beavers on Thursday night as well. Uh, first off, Josh, just your thoughts on the Bruins season. Sitting at 8-5 and five right now. I know they had the recent loss to ASU, but before that, the four-game win streak uh, capped off by that big win in Tucson. Where do you see the Bruins right now? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it could be better. They had some games slip away. I mean, they were up huge at Michigan and up huge at Stanford and uh, played like crap against Colorado. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that they haven't done well. But, uh, like you say, they're sitting there 8-5 and five and right in the thick of a really great race. And they've got two two more home games, and they're straight ahead. And they'd obviously do very well to to find a way to take them both because they, they finish with the, the Utah-Colorado trip and then at SC. So, you know, I, I can't imagine they, they sweep uh, those last three all on the road. So they better get things done while they can at home. Is this UCLA team under Steve Alford pretty similar to Alford-coached teams of the past or different, and how so? Well, you know, last year I think was such an outlier. I mean, everybody moved the ball so quickly and brilliantly, and that all started with with Lonzo Ball. I think this is more of a typical, uh, you know, you've got a bunch of freshmen that sometimes don't know what they're doing kind of a team that that everybody's got at some point. And I think Oregon has kind of a similar deal this year where – you can see the talent, but it's just not completely uh, ripe on the vine quite yet. So that's probably typical not only for, for Steve Alford, but I would think for any coach out there at this level. Aaron Holiday, what kind of leadership does he provide? He's one of the more exciting guards to watch in this conference that's often loaded with talent at that position. Yeah, I think it really helps that he's got you know the, the bloodlines that he's got. I mean, not just the DNA, but the ability to to work out with his brothers and, you know, to have two NBA older brothers able to teach him what works and what doesn't. I think, you you know, a lot of times when he's the oldest guy on the floor, you can really tell that he's the oldest guy on the floor. So 
Uh, a lot of good experience, a lot of heart, and he, he's been absolutely imperative to whatever success the Bruins have had this year. Josh Lewin joining us right now, voice of Bruin Hoops, among a plethora of other things in his broadcast career that has now spanned close to uh, 30 years, incredibly. Um, Josh, this, uh, the 94-91 game that was played in Eugene a few weeks ago, that was a, a thriller, a tale of two halves. Uh, what was that game like to call, and what kind of takeaways do you think um, might transfer from that matchup to Saturday's game with the Ducks? Well, what I hope from a UCLA standpoint is that they realize that once they start playing the way they're capable of, uh, you know, which was only the last 10 or so minutes of that game, they dominated the last 10 minutes. They were just completely outclassed in the first 20. Uh, you know, the, the next 10 were probably a draw, but that first 20, I, I, I don't remember an Oregon team, even with all the talent that they had last year, playing that well uh, for, for that sustained amount of time. I mean, they were just were making every pass and hitting every shot, and the Bruins just couldn't match the energy at all. So um, I hope they learn from that. I, I hope they grow from that and, and realize they got to come out and make a take right away. want to ask the obligatory ball family question to you. Uh, what, <laughs> what, what's it like covering a team that, uh, you know, has a presence like LeVar and, of course, Lonzo last year and maybe not as much now with, with them out of the program, but what, what was that like? Yeah, you know, it, it really didn't bump up against what we did that much. I mean, you know, there was a lot of stuff happening, obviously, away from the court. But we never really saw it. We were never really privy to it. And, uh, you know, it's obviously an interesting dynamic, but it, it definitely is a little more peaceful, you know, a little more normal, uh, I would say, this year. That's nothing against LeVar, but, you know, he's got his own way of, of thinking and running things. And, uh, you know, it just seems like more uh, – more normal college basketball this year, and, and I, I think everybody can appreciate that. You mentioned the uh, two home games coming up for the Bruins. They finish with three on the road. Looking at their current RPI, it's at 52, which is very solid right now. Uh, do you expect this UCLA team to finish it out strong and make the tournament? Yeah, I do. I, you know, I don't, I don't think they've got a lot of margin for error. You know, I, I'd be – Disappointed, obviously, if they, you know, I think if they end up 11 and 7, I think they got a really good shot because um, one of those wins was at Arizona, and that should help. But, you know, anything less than that, if they're 10 and 8, or if they go 11 and 7 and then crash and burn immediately in the tournament, I wouldn't be surprised if they, they get knocked right off of that bubble. So, um, you know, the, the expectation bar is always really high at UCLA, as you know, you know, and then Oregon has, has certainly been that way too recently so uh you know i think everybody's going to be really heartbroken if it doesn't happen last thing for you josh i know uh baseball season coming up um wanted to ask you about the mets and particularly michael conforto a lot of fans of his out in this area uh with the presence of oregon state uh, i know michael's been injured uh, lately had some surgery recently as well but uh, what's it been like watching him develop in the Mets system and contribute at the big league level and what are your thoughts on the uh, the mets upcoming year well, he, Michael's a terrific kid, and, you know, for any Oregon State fan listening, they, they have to be super proud of, of what he did there and how he's represented himself ever since he's left. But, uh, you know, the, the Mets, I mean, I, I know it sounds cliche, but it's always about uh, uh, about staying healthy. And, and, you know, I think every team can probably say that to some degree, but definitely when it comes to the Mets, they just got to keep that pitching rolling, and they didn't have that last year in it. That absolutely uh, submarined them, but um, you know they they should be able to compete. Washington is a 
definite favorite for, for that division, but there's no reason that they can't at least hang around and stay close. Josh Lewin, follow him on Twitter at Josh Lewin Stuff, voice of Bruin, basketball, football, Mets, baseball, also over a dozen years calling Chargers games. Uh, Josh, thanks so much for taking the time. It's a real privilege for me to be able to talk to you, and uh, hopefully we can do it again soon. Thank you. Oh, of course. Thank you so much for ringing me up. Appreciate it. It was awesome. Josh Lewin, and, you know, full disclosure, we taped that last night while he was in New York City. He was in between a meeting and going to dinner with friends and then hopping on a plane and going back to Southern California across the coast. If you need a definition of hectic schedule, Josh Lewin comes right up to the top of the Google charts. So for him to take the time to join us, it's a, it's a real honor to talk to him and just a real overall a good dude. And it's always good to run into good dudes in this industry. Thanks to Josh Lewin for taking the time. Ducks Trojans and Ducks Bruins coming up. And we've got a key matchup. And we'll also talk about the rest of the Pac-12 schedule in a very, very big weekend of college basketball in this conference. I'm Judah Newby. One more segment of the Quack Attack. Yours next here on The Game. More Quack Attack with Judah Newby. Presented by First Call Heating and Cooling. On your home of the Oregon Ducks. 1029 and 750 The Game. And I was thinking about what I wanted to have for dinner tonight when I got home. And I was like, well, you know, I could just throw down some Wendy's on the ride back. And then Chris Barty spinning the bump music plays this, and I'm like, you know, I really should have my greens. <laughs> I need a little broccoli. I'm glad I can help you remember that. <laughs> to get them veggies in. This is why I love hip-hop. It reminds me to have a healthy diet. I, I don't know the correlation, but hey, I'm going to take your word for that one. There is, I love it. There is no correlation, <laughs> except that the name of this song is Broccoli. Here and we it's, go. It's got a great whistle hook right here. <laughs> oh, I love the bump music. Oregon's got USC tomorrow night, UCLA on Saturday night. So looking at some of these numbers, this is incredible. And the Pac-12 Network's JB Long is credited with getting this stat. Check this one out, Party. If you're looking for a reason why the Ducks are going to start to find their peak right about now, moving into Pac-12 play, NCAA tournament potentially, the last four seasons, Oregon is undefeated after Valentine's Day in conference play. Now, that's a stat. That is four years in a row. They have not <laughs> lost a conference game after Valentine's Day. 22-0 in the last four years after February 14th. Hashtag, that's a stat. That's well said. That's crazy. But I'm going to be honest with you. I look at the upcoming schedule. And obviously the USC game and UCLA game, they speak for themselves. Oregon lost to USC already once before. They beat UCLA, but it was 94-91 and really an outlier of a contest where Oregon got up huge by halftime and then UCLA made a second half surge and arguably could have won that game if they had taken better care of the basketball. So these are certainly two games, I think, where the Ducks will be underdogs if you're looking at the betting line, but... 
Who the heck knows what an underdog is in the Pac-12 this year? I mean, seriously, we talked about it earlier. Two losses, two games in the loss column separate seed two from seed nine right now. And it's Valentine's Day. It's insane, the parody right now in this conference. But then you look at next week, you got Arizona State and Arizona. Obviously a huge game with the Wildcats next Saturday after the earlier one down in Tucson in January was such a tight affair. And the Ducks already beat Arizona State in Tempe in January as well. So, you know, Bobby Hurley's going to come up trying to look for some revenge next Thursday night. But those are very, very tough games. And then you got Washington again on the road in Seattle. Tough place to play in the American Airlines Arena. Washington, a team that at home this year has upset two top 25 teams. They've upset ASU there at home. They've upset Arizona at home. So, assuming that the Ducks can roll right into Seattle and take care of Washington in the same vein that they just took care of the Huskies in Eugene, 65-40, to 40, I think that would be, you know, rushing it just a little bit, just being a little short-sighted. But that being said, I mean, look at that stat. 22-0 after Valentine's Day the last four years in the conference. Dana freaking Altman, man. You know what? He's so dry. He gives you nothing. He's not a friend of the media. I was talking to some people uh, involved with with, uh, Oregon uh, media relations a couple weeks ago and just saying how much of a grind it is to get Dana Altman to do any media whatsoever, even national media. Can't do it. He doesn't want to do it. That's not his game. He wants to keep things close to the vest. And to be honest, in this day and age of collegiate sports, I don't blame him. You look at everything that's going down in major athletic departments recently and especially college basketball programs, I'm not saying that there's something going on with Oregon's program, but I'm saying there's reason for coaches to live in skepticism. And Dan Altman certainly does that. But to his credit, the guy knows how to coach coach X's to nose. We say it this time of year, every year, and he has not lost a conference game after Valentine's Day since 2014. All right, on our way out, let's hit the bench. Key to the game for Ducks USC and Ducks UCLA. Let's fire this one up right here. Which matchup will be critical for the Ducks' success? Judah Newby breaks down the key matchup. Brought to you by Oregon College Savings Plan. Imagine the possibilities. Ducks 14-1 when out-rebounding the opponent. They did not out-rebound USC a couple weeks ago when they lost to the Trojans in Eugene. However, Kenny Wooten... He is starting to find himself right now. We talk about him and his ability to block shots. He's got 73 blocks this season, but he's also got the ability to go up and get a rebound, too. So Kenny Wooten against Benny Boatwright and Shemezi Metu. Uh, Paul White is involved in that matchup as well. So I already talked about Peyton Pritchard and Jordan McLaughlin, but that was my key matchup for him three weeks ago when the Ducks played the Trojans last time. So this time it's going to be the Oregon front court against the USC front court. Who does a better job on the glass? That stat speaks for itself. Ducks 14-1 and when they out-rebound the opponent. they got to do it again against USC or UCLA. I'm with Tyson Alger. I think this is a split. I also think a split still keeps Oregon in the discussion for the NCAA tournament. You look at their RPI right now, it's 82. It's 82. UCLA is 52, USC 49. Okay, you get a win against one of those teams, your RPI goes from 82 to about 70, 69. And, of course, 68 teams go into the field. A split here really does significant things for Oregon's RPI with even more opportunity to rise up the calendar or rise up the rankings, I should say, when they take on Arizona State and Arizona in a week from now. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the Quack Attack. Big thanks, Chris Partee behind the glass. Also, thanks to Josh Lewin, voice of the Bruins, voice of the Mets, a little Michael Kiwanuka. 
to play us out. Cold little heart on a Valentine's night. Everyone, thanks for listening. This has been the Quack Attack on 1029750 The Game. Scotty Farrell is up next. Enjoy your Valentines. Love your loved ones. Hug them tight. We'll see you next week. Peace.